Hey everyone, my name is Brett Howe and I am an athlete mindset and life coach. I'm a former dual sport ACAC athlete playing both hockey and soccer at the college level. I am now mom of four, entrepreneur and founder of AMP Coaching. AMP Intermission Podcast shares top-notch conversations with some of the most inspirational people around. I speak with those from top performing past and present athletes, coaches, to sport parents, and everyone in between. In sharing stories from adversity to triumph, this podcast will inspire athletes to follow their own genuine path to fulfillment in life and in sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 19 of Amp Intermission Podcast. Now, this is the second part of my two-part series with Wayne Cozier, and you will have to bear with me. I am not feeling 100%. You can hear it in my voice, but the good news is that you only have to listen to this for the intro because the actual episode was recorded when I was feeling quite good. No raspy voice. Anyways, If you have not listened to part one of this series, I would strongly encourage you to go back and have a listen. It is jam-packed with so much incredible information for female athletes. One of the main reasons we had to break this out into two episodes was because of all the knowledge and incredible understanding of the game and the experience and the journey that Wayne brought to the episode that we could just jam on those things for hours. So, If you are struggling in eliminating the noise out there, if you don't know your next steps to take, if you're maybe potentially looking at hiring an advisor and not knowing if now is the right time, I would encourage you to go back and have a listen to that episode. Now, for part two, we are going to bring so much more to this episode. And Wayne, with his wealth of knowledge and his connections through USA Hockey and Hockey Canada, along with so many leagues within those divisions... He has this ability to understand the aspects of the game that are truly important and vital for us as athletes to dive into. Now, give episode two a listen of this part two series with Wayne Cozier, CEO of Trailblazer Hockey Advisor, and let me know what you think. Thanks for tuning in. Now I want to kind of jump gears and talk about a lot of the girls I speak with. They have goals of playing a lot are focused on the states, right? NCAA, Div 1. And then there is youth sport in there as well in Canada, obviously. If you want to share with me any insights or part of the process that you have from your experience, and maybe if you're willing to offer an opinion of like the differences of the two as well. Okay, all great questions. So I'll start with a, a bit on the, the process. And so really the process is, number one, you, you got to be playing good, right? So College coaches are looking for for good hockey players. So that's number one that's going to get their attention. It helps to have an advisor because with Trailblazer Hockey, what we do is put together the list of our clients and send those out to the vast majority of the colleges. And so it creates at least initial awareness. And, and so that's a key step. But over and above that, what we mentor all of our players to do is they need to contact college coaches directly themselves. As coaches do want to hear from the player, they want to learn about their their personality, their character. And that can even be, you know, 
seen through emails, but usually it'll lead to conversations and certainly conversations and Zoom calls like this. You can understand what a player's personality is. And so that's important. So we've developed a form letter and all of our players are using it. We've had great success with it. And when I say we've had great success, the players that have the success because they're getting responses from coaches. And we had three phenomenal commitments that just happened in the last couple of months with three of our 2006s. And it was larger because of the work they as the players did reaching out to those coaches of targeted schools that they want to go to. And the criteria, if I can just touch on that a bit, that I tell players to do is that, number one, you need to explore colleges where they have the academics that you want to study. So what do you want to be when you grow up, right? So why would you worry about reaching out to University of North Dakota if you wanted to have an engineering degree, right? They're not known for that. So find out, you know, based on what you want to do, create a sub list of, of colleges in NCAA, U sports, all the different programs. And then you got a short list. The second criteria that I say is geographically, where do you want to live and study? Is that U.S. or Canada? Is it the Western states or Western Canada, Central Canada, U.S.? That's usually a big important thing for, for players, whether it's being close to home or just an area that they like. And then the, the last part is actually what I tell them is the hockey. How good is their hockey program? That should not be the first thing that you necessarily look at, right? And so you eventually just boil it down to a workable number of schools, I find, for then you reach out to those schools, hopefully hear back from some of the coaches. And then that can ultimately lead, lead to commitments. Now, as far as pros and cons or differences between U sports and NCAA, I guess the best way for me to answer that is I'll share my experiences. And this applies to both the, the male and the female side of hockey. I would say almost invariably 100% of players say they come in at, say, 14, 15, 16 years old, using us as an advisor. They say they want to play NCAA hockey as their number one choice. What we find, though, through time is that that changes dramatically and players will start to look at youth sports. They'll start to look at other USA programs like the ACHA, which is just a step below NCAA. And it's kind of an interesting thing to see as we've been in the business now for a couple of years, and I've been in the business for many years myself personally, is that a very small percentage actually end up going to NCAA. And that can be just skill level. Maybe they didn't quite have the skill level. Maybe it could be they just couldn't find the academics that they wanted down there or they didn't feel comfortable going down there and taking a U.S. degree when they wanted to ultimately reside in Canada. Some of them, it's just a different path they took that led them to U sports. It could be the opportunity arose in U sports versus NCAA. And I just find that and I tell that and share that with you and your audience because it's good to have a goal. You do have to have a goal and work towards it, but you can't just keep that as your sole goal. There's got to be fallback strategies and different pathways you can take to, to achieve the ultimate end goal. And for me, we're super big on education. The college degree is the holy grail. That's what we want our players to get, number one. If they can you know, do that through a college scholarship and then go on and play in the professional women's hockey league or in Europe, that's phenomenal. That's all, all bonus type stuff. But, you know, those are some of my my observations on, on you know, NCAA and U sports and the process through it. And, you know, both are phenomenal programs. There's no difference between the two. It just comes down to an individual preference. And, of course, you have to have the team that wants you. Very important that the coach and team loves you, wants you badly, because that's going to lead to success for you as a player. Absolutely. Wow. 
That was a lot of very incredible information. So I really hope that people are tuning in and writing notes as they listen to this, because that was amazing to hear. And just that step-by-step process, maybe what to keep at the forefront, maybe what to put as priority and when they're selecting their schools. And I love your experience in the NCAA road. And it's something that I keep a pulse on in my program because yeah, they come in with this, this dream, but it's like, there's all the stars have to align in a certain way to get to that NCAA Div 1. But at the end of the day, once you achieve that, what are you going to feel? And once people can get really honest with their goals and their why power and their mission and everything that they want to pull out of their experience as an athlete, sometimes their routes change, right? And I often say, like, I used to be the person who had it planned out. I knew how many, I knew where I wanted to go to school, what I wanted to do, how many kids I was going to have where I was going to live. Not one of those things has worked out in the way I envisioned, but it's that much better on the other end of it. And this like perfect life that we envision is actually the one that you don't really know what's around the corner and you have your goals, but you allow for pivots and to make those adjustments as they come. So I appreciate that feedback. Oh, you're very welcome. I can sometimes ramble when I get going on some of this stuff because I'm so passionate about it, Brett, but You know, I love how you kind of term all that stuff and describe it so eloquently, too, because it is a a journey, I guess. And that's why we're called trailblazers, is we try to build pathways for each individual player based on their unique individual circumstances. And that's extremely important. And even as experienced as we are trying to determine an individual's pathway, we always have to have that flexibility to, like the term used was pivot. And you do have to be able to do that because no one pathway is typically the same for two separate players. We can't tell our players to all do the same because they're all unique individuals with with unique goals and dreams and stuff. And if I put in a little pitch for Trailblazer Hockey, I think that's why we feel we're a bit unique. We try to take a unique view on every individual player. We don't paint them all the same and tell them to do all exactly the same thing. That's huge. That's in complete alignment with you as everyone being on their own journey. So yeah, plug away with Trailblazer, please, throughout. You did mention one thing about contact. Now, I get a lot of athletes who maybe they're in college, they're looking to go to U Sport, and I'm encouraging them to make that contact with the coach. But in my experience too, like the email route, sometimes you don't get that response. Now, if you had advice, would you encourage an athlete to pick up the phone and try and make a call or to keep pressing forward on email? Or how would you encourage an athlete to make that contact? Pros and cons to both, I guess. But the primary way that I tell our players to do it is typically via either an email or a text. Uh, Today's world, I just find very few people are ever available for a live phone call. It's just, we're always on the run. And even if you do happen to have like your, waiting at the airport or just a quick break between meetings, you grab the phone, you're probably not prepared to have uh, the type of conversation that the player on the other end wants, nor that the coach wants. So I just find with using, you know, a text or an email to basically relay who you are as a player, express your interest in the team is what you're trying to do is accomplish to get on that coach's radar. And again, I tell the players, you're not going to hear back from every single coach. They can't, they're probably getting hundreds, if not thousands of inquiries from players, but all you're hoping for is they go, hey, I like what I read in this brief little little communication. And it does have to be concise, right? Because typically people are going to be reading from their phone, not from a computer. So if they have to keep going scroll, scroll, they go, oh, man, that's too long. Pass. So just get to their shortlist. If they say, 
they either leave themselves a note or forward it to their, their email and say, I need to look at some video on this individual, do some background check with their coaches and stuff. That should be your ultimate goal. So don't feel defeated that you didn't hear back from the coach. You, you may have achieved what you want to do, get to the next step. But again, so just don't leave it, you know, wait a few months, then follow up again. And then that's when you might want to push that. I'd be happy to have a phone conversation, should you wish, coordinated time. And so it's a little bit of a process. I would, again, so summary, contact them by email or text to just, you know, express your interest and give a little bit of a bio on yourself, then maybe potentially later to set up a phone call. Absolutely. Great information. And yeah, I think it's really important too that one thing you touched, touched on is be concise. And I would even add, I don't know, you can push back, but be genuine and authentic in who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be this version of what you're not because you don't want them to believe you're someone you're not, right? And I think the true path to fulfillment too is just like honing in on your authentic true self. And if you can't give that in an email, you're probably not going to find that school that fits you best. Yeah, great points, Brett. And like I say, they do want to know your personality and your character. That's what's going to catch their attention. Like you might just say some little small line in there that catches their attention that shows you're a genuine individual. They don't want to hear the standard, I'm a 200 foot player, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's it's got to be unique and it's got to be sincere. And if you do have a weakness, don't shy away from it. And, you know, just mention I'm working on my foot speed. I know it's, in, but I'm taking power skating with this particular instructor and it's coming along good. And they like that. They also like things that are unique. And and we heard this, we had Ted Donato, who's the men's coach at Harvard, speak to us. And one of the things that Harvard in particular looks for, and I think it applies to a lot of schools, is what's unique about you, right? Like, so what did you do? What, did you overcome adversity somehow type thing? Did you come from uh, a broken family? Did you overcome an illness, uh, a disease or something like that? Did you grow up in poverty, you know? Some people would shy away from saying that stuff, but that's very important stuff. Coaches love kids, players that can overcome adversity because that's ultimately what you have to do to be successful in, in school and in hockey and in life is be able to do that. So it's a very, very important. And I certainly, as part of our template letters is promote our kids to put in there. Don't shy away that maybe your family didn't have a lot of money and maybe still doesn't have a lot of money and that you have to take a part-time job as a high school kid, right? Just to pay bills and stuff. They would absolutely love that. And they would read that more and pay more attention to that than saying that I scored a hundred goals this season. Yeah. I love me an underdog story. That's for sure. But just speaking to your experiences and really leaning into that, I think adversity is the greatest teacher and with overcoming adversity, you have those lessons and it's character development. So I think it's only, it's only fair that schools want to see that, right? Because they want to see that character development. And the more adversity you've overcome, likely the more lessons you've learned in life. So I can understand how it works hand in hand, for sure. Yeah. What are some areas you see in the female side of the game that have become increasingly important um, that maybe weren't as important as before? Because this is something, obviously, I've been out of the college realm for a few years now. And maybe what I would deem as important back then is no longer as important as it is, as other things are that have overcome that now today. So are you, are you speaking from like a skills perspective or like what's changing there or what's changing, you know, on an academic side or just female hockey in general, Brett? Maybe. 
female hockey development in general, yeah, there could be skills attached that you see skills that are more pre- uh, prevalent today, or even like where the focus needs to go for a female athlete, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So what I would say is that female hockey is, I would say, just trailing slightly between male hockey from the fact of, you know, males were first to get kind of more into the academies and more spending on skills training, both on and off ice and really going intense at it and stuff. And now female hockey is right on par with that. Right. And so that's the biggest change I think I see is if you go back just not very many years ago, And it still happens in many cases today and certainly in smaller communities is a a young lady has to go play with her her male counterparts on the local team and stuff and battle through that. And you just hopefully survive that and get to a level where you can get to a bigger center and and play true female hockey. And so that's a big change. Now, obviously, all the big centers have the, the female teams and stuff, which is fantastic. And now there's getting to be more and more programs that are tailored specifically to the female player which again is a huge benefit and stuff like that, because, you know, there is differences in in how you have to develop a female player versus a male player and stuff. And I mean, we're, we're built differently. I mean, genetically, that's just the, the truth of the matter. And so you have to focus on different things and stuff to develop those players. And so I just find that everything that male players have and had maybe a, a year or two earlier than females, females now have access to all of that and more. And they're, they're investing in that and doing those types of things in camps that most people really weren't committing themselves as, as, a, as a hockey player, as a female, you know, probably even as little as five, six years ago. Whereas today, I mean, these young girls, I love it because they're coming with a dream at 12 years old and saying, hey, I want to play NCAA Division One hockey. I dream to play professional hockey and stuff. And so how do I get to that dream that I have? And so those are some of the biggest changes I would say that I have saw or seen myself. Absolutely. And there's that access to that growth, right? That improvement for sure. One thing that you brought up was, you know, changing and getting ready with and playing with the boys and co-ed team. I grew up hell bent on play boys hockey as long as you possibly can. It like uncovers this grit it develops you as this like would say I can see the girls that have played male hockey most of their life now I have a daughter so I'm eating my words quite a bit and she is eight years old and she plays female hockey because I've noticed such a shift and it's like how do we get them to keep in the game like not forcing them in but letting them experience that side of the game that ultimately if they're gonna keep playing they're gonna end up in anyways and taking them out of that that co-ed, the, the quote-unquote boys hockey, right? I've had to really, I don't know if it's swallow my pride, but kind of eat my words and let my daughter steer that ship a bit more. I'm sure you've seen it too, right? Playing boys hockey and now there's this shift to like, let's push girls hockey, which I also am fully supporting and I love that direction. I think it's evolving girls a lot quicker and like building girls hockey where it where we want it to be. Yeah, I agree. And I think probably a good word is is making it inclusive and stuff right because i'm sure there was a lot of really good athletes that didn't play hockey just because they were uncomfortable going into a a co-ed dressing room or playing on a co-ed team right and so they just decided to take a different path whether that be dance or basketball or whatever it happens to be and so you know i i think there's going to be more and better female players coming through the pipeline now just because there's people they would have missed in the past. Now, the other side was some of the young ladies that that 
played co-ed hockey younger, it, it did help them to develop, I think, because it really pushed them outside their comfort zone and stuff. And they had to compete against, you know, boys, which are just stronger, right? Just the way it is. And so it makes them have to work that much harder. So it made them better players. And, you know, a lot of the players that I think of that my son played co-ed hockey with when he was younger, a lot of them are playing U sports and, and NCAA hockey now and, and really, really successful and stuff. So, you know, that did help them. But I still think today's model is much, much better, much more inclusive. And I think we're going to get a lot more players playing hockey from a female perspective and having success as a result. Absolutely. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there for sure. I mean, it helped my chances making U sport. But yeah, for sure, as the game evolves and as we grow, I think we're going to see a lot more talent. And like you said, those girls that maybe weren't comfortable in the situation are now pushing themselves to play hockey and they have female teams to play on. And they're going to make it and they're going to make it to, you know, whether it's NCAA, whether it's youth sport, whatever direction they go. So I, I appreciate that response for sure. As we wrap up, one thing I always like to ask is if you have a favorite quote that you kind of have the forefront of your life, that's kind of been something like maybe your guiding light or something that really inspires you. Yeah, there's, there's one thing I have, and I actually brought it because you indicate you might mention that question like, Here's a, a quote that I have that, that hangs on my bedroom wall. And so it's literally the first thing I see every day in my morning. And I'll, I'll go through it. it it's, a, it's a little bit of a longer quote. And some people call it a poem. Some people call it a prayer. But it's from my personal perspective, I'm a big believer in that uh, time is the most valuable thing that we have. And we got to make good use of our time and stuff. And so this was a quote that uh, Coach Bear Bryant, who's a famous coach for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And he he carried this and he read it every day, every night type thing. And, and so I'll read it. it. It's important to me. So the quote is, this is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because I'm exchanging a day in my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving something in its place. I've traded for it. I want it to be gain and not loss, good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I shall not forget the price I paid for it. And so that's a great quote that I think that every day I want to make the best use of my time. I mean, we all know that our time on this earth is limited. And so we don't want to look back and say, I wish I'd done this. I wish I had gave more back to people. And it's, it's really something that resonates with me this quote because it's today why I'm an advisor and I spend seven days a week working on this it's just because you know I have this time I have this knowledge why would I just let it go to waste and not try to share it with as many people as I can and help other people's lives and stuff and I think that's what this quote to me speaks to and the younger people they might not relate to, to that because everything's when you're 15 and 16 life goes on forever and you didn't waste your time. But I, I look at young kids that spend so much time on phones, on social media, and there's a time and a place for that. I absolutely agree with it, Brett, but there's too much time in many cases spent on that. And, you know, what will kids do 10 years from now and look back and said, man, if I had to just focused on spending that two hours a day on academics or my stick handling skills versus, you know, reading what's on social media, could I have made it to that next level and stuff? And so I just share that one example as it pretends to, pertains to time and stuff, because it is becoming a big thing now in hockey. And we're seeing that how do we, you know, 
make good use of our time and stuff. And so it's a little tip to share with players that absolutely you want to use your phone. And a lot of times it's a good tool to study research on. That's great. But social media, spending too much time on there is a huge time waster. And, you know, with this this little phrase or whatever it is that I like to live by, you know, I, I don't want to be wasting a lot of time on my phone surfing social media, I guess. Wow. A lot came up there. But first of all, like, thank you for sharing that. I got, you know, chills up my spine and it was it's quite emotional because I'm pretty bullish on that as well. And one thing you shared was just the gifts you're given. And I think that we have these experiences that we go through and then we we're finished with our sport. How are we going to make an impact? How are we going to leave a mark? And my belief is that we have this experience, we have these gifts and they're not meant to be kept to us. They're meant to be shared why you've become an advisor, why I've become a coach, because I believe that we have these gifts and knowledge is power. And if we can share our gifts with athletes who might need them, we can help them on their journeys. And that to me is making an impact in other people's lives. And that's kind of that, that's what fills me up more often than not. I think if people are in search of fulfillment and purpose in life, it comes from serving others. And I think you're clearly doing that and you have a passion for it. And let me tell you, if I could go back 20 years, you'd be, I'd be calling you for my advisor because I, I share that alignment and the belief that it's not just the sport. It's, it's what you do with the gifts you have. So I really, really appreciate that. And even touching on phones, it's a, it's a bone of contention with mine. I can tell you in my five-year span of playing post-secondary hockey from the start, there was a phone rule where you couldn't even bring them in the dressing room. And if they went off, there was major consequences to pay till you got to hit that ice up until my last year where it was like, you know, the Snapchat, the TikTok, and that was all coming. And that was happening in the dressing room and it's gotten teams. It's gotten individuals in, in trouble too. So, you know, I hate to end on that kind of note, but I think that the phones are a big one that, yeah, when you can look back 10 years, like, was that worth it? And there's a difference between being somewhere and being present if you're on your phone videotaping what you're up to, are you really present in the moment and taking it for all it's worth or are you taking it for granted, right? Yeah, great, great points. And and I agree with you, Brett. It's, it's I, I didn't want to purposely drag in the phones into it. It's, it's just an example. But, you know, it, it is important that leaders in, in the different sectors and I view you as a leader and and maybe I'm one, I don't know, but it's important that we share that knowledge. And I always tell my clients and prospective clients is that I have as much knowledge as I, I have because I'm old. It, I'm 61. It took me 61 years to accumulate a lot of this knowledge and I do not want to waste it. So anything that I've accumulated or diarized, I want to share it with as many people because that's when it has value. And, and that does really light my fire. I love to see the smiles on people's faces when they can learn stuff from me and they go, how would you know that? And I go, because I'm old, you learn so much from, from living life experiences and you just can't even replace that by reading a book in most cases and stuff. I think that's an important thing for, even for your young viewers watching today. I know I was in their seat one time when I was 16, I thought I knew everything. And you know, what do these old people know? But as you age and mature and learn, you really learn to respect what, you know, people that have been through the things that you're going through can look back and guide you because they've had that experience. It's so, so important. And that's a big part of 
what trailblazer hockey, what we're doing today. And the reason that I want to get up every morning and, and get to work is to, to share that knowledge and help people and, you know, help them not only have success, but help them prevent, make mistakes that they don't need to make by, you know, using our guidance. Yeah. And I find that all resonates with me. And I find that those young athletes, they're our teachers too. Right. And we can learn so much from them in us having those conversations with them. We are getting more knowledge. We are getting more experience. So I actually like kudos to them for being our teachers as well and teaching us, you know, how to, how to really maneuver through what challenges are being faced today and helping them through that helps us grow too as as older people, I would say. <laughs> Great point. And yeah, I'm a lot older than you, but yeah, we're all older than those young 15 and 16 year old players. That's for sure. Yeah. I want to end here. This has been amazing. And I could have probably talked to you for hours, but I know that, you know, we got lots going on in our lives. So I want to know the most inspirational people or person in your life that have been kind of posts in your journey, like really, yeah, lifelines in your journey. Okay. I mean, I mean, like anyone, I have to start with my parents. They're always the people that de- helped us develop our character, who we are and stuff, taught us about hard work, uh, teamwork, helping your neighbor. I grew up on a farm type thing where everybody helps their neighbor and stuff like that, which is changing a little bit today and work ethic. So them, of course, that's obvious. But outside of that, it's I would look to to some of the coaches I've had in hockey that were inspire me, I think, and led me to to where I am today. And I remember I grew up in a small town of Fillmore and I, I had a coach by the name of Gabe Keen and he was a local welder, but he had a couple of boys, one boy older than me, one boy younger than me in particular. And so with the two year age gaps, we were always, he was always my coach because I was either playing with his older boy or his younger boy. And he just taught me a lot of little tips and tricks in hockey and how to be a better player, but also how to be a leadership and stuff and to work hard, all those types of life lessons. And so he coached me for most of my minor hockey in that small town. And then from there, I went to, to, to Wayburn and played with in Wayburn for a year under Dwight McMillan, who's a legendary junior coach. And he was just coaching the, the midget team there, the, the Wayburn Beavers. And it was a phenomenal year. And I'll be forthright and say, I'm not the most skilled player, never ever was, but I always went to the game with work. Nobody's going to outwork me and stuff. And I get kudos from him on that. And he used me as an example to the other players that the skill players that said, hey, if you guys worked as hard as Kozier, we'd be an unbelievable team. And so that really resonated with me. And then the last example I used for a coach was Mike Demelli. He coaches the Prairie Storm Bantam AA team, and he coached my son Landon in that. And he's a phenomenal individual, a very successful businessman, has no children, but devotes his time and so much time every year to that program and delivering a comprehensive on ice, off ice training program to those players and stuff. And for, for no compensation, no pay. And he would never have wanted that. It's just Mike's way of giving back and, and the most phenomenal coach and individual I've ever met in my life. And so getting to interact with people like that, it, it motivates me to say, when I see what say Mike gives to the community and to those players and stuff, I go, what can I give? I mean, that's how do I even try to keep up to this guy? And so those are the guys that inspire me. And, you know, quite ironically, I looked to hockey coaches that I had that, you know, not only taught me skills, but just really life lessons that I've built into my life and that motivate me to try and want to keep up to them so that, you know, maybe someday, 30, 40 years from now, somebody will look to me that, that I motivated them and that 
that would be the legacy I'd like to leave if I if I ever leave a legacy. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. And growing up, my dad also said he, he gave me lots of quotes. He used to quote Churchill quite a bit. Um, he was a sportsman himself, uh, but he used to say to make a difference. And it's clear that those people that you've listed have made a difference in your life. And now you've made it your mission to do the same for others. So I really have enjoyed this conversation. I have so much respect for you, Wayne. And it's been great getting to know you. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on, giving so much information for all of our viewers to just take, whether it's in their sport, their life, what are the next steps, anything. There's a lot in here for people. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you also, Brett. The mutual respect and an admiration is, is equal. I love what you're doing in the game. It's an extreme honor for me to be a guest on your podcast. And I would look forward to, to chatting anytime with you and, and speaking with your listeners and helping in any way I can. Okay. Amazing. Thanks. Thanks.